Good morning. If you got a Bible, please take it. Turn to Exodus chapter 3. If you're concerned about where that is, it's Genesis, Exodus, second book of the Bible, chapter 3. And if you don't have a Bible with you today, that's okay. We'll have it on the screen here in just a second. It is good to be with you. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. You doing all right out there, everybody? Doing good? All right. Some of you are. That's good. So um, I want to start with some. In the house today, we got some of you who are having just the best week. Your life is going exceedingly well, and you are just happy to be anywhere, okay? It's the weather's nice, and it's you. In the house today, we have some people struggling, I'm sure. There's some people struggling with all sorts of different things. Family drama. You know that's real. You might have some family drama going on. You might have some health situations going on. You might have uncertainty in your life. There may be a dark situation, maybe even of your own doing, that you bring in here this morning. There may be, you might be at the heights of joy or the depths of despair. You might be what some have called, you might be in the dark night of the soul. You might be all over the spectrum, or you just might be in the middle with a, how you doing today? And if you were honest, like, I'm here. You might be the whole spectrum in this house today because the, not, not a single one of us is in the same place. But I, do, I can tell you this, what we need more than anything else is a clear picture of God in Christ Jesus. That's what you need. You don't need a self-help talk. You don't need to be told you're good enough, strong enough. That's a lie. You're not. What you need more than anything else is to see who Jesus is. And it is our endeavor today to look into the Word of God and to see, and over the next few weeks, to see who He is. But that will first take us to the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. If you would, read along with me. Now, just so you remember, the people of God, the, the Israelites at this point, kind of giving you some context, they're in Egypt. They're in Egypt. They're stuck there. They're being persecuted there. And God is raising up somebody, not a perfect man, a man who has committed murder, a man who is on the run, a man who is out in the wilderness, and he's, God's going to call him in a weird way to do a great thing. And it's not Moses that gets the glory, but God. And if we look at Ex, in Exodus chapter 3, we pick up this, that now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness to, and came to Horeb, and the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire, out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And so God appears through the angel of the Lord in this fire. The, the fire is burning on this bush. It's not being consumed. That is interesting. Now, it doesn't matter where you are. A fire will catch your attention, right? I'll never forget, Mitch and I, when we were getting the, the van to go on the youth youth camp, we were driving by a situation on I-40 where there was an expedition pulled over to the side and it was on fire. Now, we got two lanes over, but you know how you did. That's the reason the traffic was going two miles an hour. It wasn't an obstruction. Everybody was like, oh, fire. Okay, so we watched that fire go by, and as we were driving by, Mitch and my lion, what happens? The thing, the fire gets so hot, it blows the windows out of this thing, okay? Now, no one was in it, okay, because that's not funny or cool. That's, like, tragic. They were all out of it, so we could watch it burn, baby, okay? And it exploded out, and we could feel the heat, and we got to Wendy's where we are going to eat lunch, and I said, Mitch, do you see that? He said, did I see it? I got a video of it, and I was like, let's watch the video. A fire caught attention here. Lord appearing, verse 3, Moses said, <laughs> this is kind of an understatement, I'll turn aside to see this great sight, 
of course, fire, okay? I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw it, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to him, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said to them, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Verse 7, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters, and I know they're suffering. So God says, I've seen my people Israel. I know that they're getting, they're getting taken advantage of. I know that they are suffering. I'm going to do something about it. In verse 8, he says, I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. That's a bunch of names. It means there's a bunch of people in this land that I'm going to give you. And it's a good place. And in verse 9, he says, and now behold... And this is a good place for whoever you are today. This is a good word real quick. This is a freebie. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. God heard, hears the cry of those in distress. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. God is not silent to oppression. God is not deaf to it. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, and you will bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, just so you know this, when you see Pharaoh, most of us don't have a, a real context for Pharaoh because the only Pharaoh we ever are around is mummified Pharaohs, okay? And we think of it all as either, like, we, we think about the mummy movies, okay? That's our thinking about Pharaoh, or we think about just the person wearing the, you might think of Steve Martin, okay? You know, the King Tut, okay? You might think of that when you think of Pharaoh, okay? You might think of all these, di I'm sorry that that happened, okay? <laughs> I want you to know that. But you might, you just think of, it's kind of abstract. This is the most powerful person in the world at that time. Moses, I'm going to send you in front of the most powerful person in the world. You're going to tell that man, you're going to tell him what to do. Got you an appointment with the president. I want you to go down and you sit there and I want you to do that. I want you to look at him and say, here is what you're going to do. Put your finger in his chest. Say, what's up? And what's going to happen, and it says, come, I will send you, verse 10, come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you, will that, that you may bring the people of the children of Israel out of Egypt, verse 11. But Moses said to God, because we'd all be scared too. But Moses said to God, who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh, the most powerful person in the world, and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. <laughs> Who am I? Verse 12, and he said, you know what he doesn't say? Just, just, just is free. What he doesn't say, it's because you're special, Moses. It's because you got, you're just, you got a unique destiny. Oh, such garbage. You know what he says? <laughs> he says, I, he says, but I will be with you. Not you're good, not you're great, not your not your daddy's special little guy. Here's a gold star. I'll be with you. I'll be with you. 
and this shall be the sign for you that I've sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain, which is funny. I'm going to give you a sign, but it's going to be after you get done doing what I tell you to do. That's awesome, okay? So then, who's the trust in? It's not in the sign. It's in, I will be with you. God's saying, trust me. And just like Moses' response here is a response that we would have too. In verse 13, and this is the text I really want us to focus on, verses 13 through 15. And Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? So his first question is not about what he's going to say to Pharaoh. It's about the people of Israel and how are they going to believe him. Remember, you remember that Moses was brought up in Pharaoh's house. He's, a, he's an Israelite, but because of, of the killings of the firstborn, his mom sent him down the river in a basket. He grew up in Pharaoh's house, so he is an Israelite, and he learned all the ways of the Israelites from his mom, who was brought in as his nurse, but he's an Israelite, but really not, because he was in Pharaoh's household. And he's like, I'm going to go to these people, and most of them know what I've done. They know that I've killed that Egyptian soldier who's getting down on, who was, who was oppressing one of my Israelite brothers. They know the situation. They know where he was from. He says, how will I know? How, what can I say to them when I tell them I'm going to deliver them? Because they're not going to believe me. What, what, what should I say if I come to him and I say, in verse 13, he says, Moses said, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your father has sent me, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And then we have this answer in verse 14. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. It's almost akin to it is what it is, right? <laughs> Which means nothing. <laughs> and we say it, but this is really pregnant with meaning. God says, I am who I am. I am who I am. And he said, this Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. In answering this question, in, say, in answering Moses in this way, who, who should I say is sending me? Who should I tell Israel that it's coming? Who, who, whose name am I coming in, God? Give me a name to tell them. God's answer provides something for Moses. It provides him first with clarity. You know what clarity is? Clarity is seeing things clearly. It's seeing things as they are. Now, in this situation, when he asks for a name, he is seeking clarity in the midst of a culture that has a ton of gods, okay? For example, they worship Pharaoh a lot of times as God in ancient Egypt. Also, they worshiped all sorts of animals and creatures. If you, have you ever, are you familiar with the Sphinx? You familiar with that out in Egypt? It's like that half cat person thing. That was worshipped. They worshipped all sorts of different things. They worshipped animals. They worshipped trees and mountains. And sometimes they thought God was actually part of, the, uh, part of nature. It was pantheism. They worshipped all these different things. And so what we have here is God giving clarity to Moses and saying, I'm not like those other gods. I am who I am. I am 
different. I am the one true God. I want to give clarity in the situation now where there are so many people worshiping so many different things, the God of their own understanding, this, that, and the other thing. And there's a great example of the fact, the way that that the Israelites would have been exposed to idolatry and worshiping other things. Do you remember what happens when Moses goes up on the mountain the first time after they've been brought out of Egypt? Well, Moses isn't here anymore something to worship, which is crazy, right? Let's make something to be our God. If you made it, how can it be your God? That is insane, but we do it all the time. We do it with money. You earned it, and it still reigns over you. Wow. And then we got this situation where they, what do they do? They said all the gold that has been given to them, what do they melt it down into? A calf. Let's worship this thing. And that sounds crazy to us, but this culture is not too much different than ours. Yeah, we may not be, you know, building temples to this or that, but man, we worship sex. Think about it. Anything you see, any show you watch on television, what is glorified? Sex, money, greed, another person, success. It's all glorified as a God. And so what we have here is there's clarity. When God says to Moses, I am who I am, there is a clarity here. He's saying, I am the one and only true God. And when he says I am, it means a lot of different things. I am who I am. I am who I am is a, it's a takeoff of the, the Hebrew verb, which means to be. And so when he says I am, there's three things I want you to know here, what scholars have talked about, what it means, I am who I am. First and foremost, I want you to see this. It means that God is self-existent, which means when he says, who should I say is going to go for me? I am who I am is going to. We get in the Bible, the first word of the Bible is not actually in the beginning, okay? It's not the first phrase. The first word in the Hebrew Bible is God. There is a presupposition that God has always existed. God is self-existent, which means he does not need anything else to exist. He can't, he's always existed, and he is not dependent on anything else to exist. You are dependent on somebody else for your existence. And even if you are one of the super independent people, you would not be here unless mom and dad had you. Don't think too long and hard about that, okay? You might go blind, but that's the reason. You are a dependent creature. You are dependent on, your existence is dependent on somebody else. You hear that? But God, when he says, when God is saying, I am who I am, he says, I'm, I'm, I am. Before there was anything, I, I am. Well, who created you? Nobody. I've always been. And that's what the Bible presupposes is that he is there. He is self-existent. He needs nothing. We need all sorts of stuff. Right now, as I mentioned need, some of you are thinking, I need another cup of coffee. Some of you are thinking, I need to eat lunch in a little while. Some of you are thinking, I need this or that. Or some of you just, it just as soon as I mentioned food, then you're like, now I need food that you said it. And then some of you are thinking, I'm gonna, I got a mint in my purse, and I've been thinking about it for 10 minutes, but I don't want to make that crinkly sound, okay? Because it's, it's, it's going to happen. I, and I think we are needy people. We need our organs to function properly so we can take in the environmental, you know, take in oxygen and expel oxygen and do all the things we need to do to live. But God is self-existent. When he says, I am who I am, is I am. I've always been. Don't need anything to make me. 
I am self-existent going on when he says I am who I am there is a a an idea here where he is saying he is the creator and the sustainer is do you know who under the inspiration of the spirit wrote the first five books of the bible Moses and he he wrote those lines under the inspiration of the spirit in the or God in the beginning created the heavens and the earth so what we have here is a revelation of God that shows he is the creator of all things, therefore the ruler of all things. And so he is the one and only unique God. There are going to be many out there who say there are many gods or many way to God, but God himself says that he is the one and only, separating himself in a culture full of other gods and other things to worship and other life paths. He is saying, I am the only one. I am the creator, the sustainer, and the self-existent one. And then there's a big word that we see here that when he says, I am who I am, when he gives Moses this name, what he is saying, he's giving clarity to the fact that, that he is unchangeable, or a word we call immutable, which means he does not change. It's possible to translate I am who I am to I will be who I will be, which means he's not changing in character or purpose. Have you ever done this where you get out a photo album and you'll know how your age if you actually have a photo album, right? Because most of our stuff on the computer are on our phone in digital format. But back in my high school days, I have a, I have a photo album from my high school time, and I'll go through it with Judson, and I say, who is that? He's like, I think that's dad. I went through a lot of weird phases growing up, okay? If you want to find out more about them, there's my parents over here, okay? Just, just, just be warned, okay? They'll tell you what happened, okay? I mean, there's, I, I went through a phase where I was dyeing my hair a different color, like, all the time. It's probably why it's falling out, okay, like it is now, because just FYI warning, it was blonde, and it was pink, and it was, uh, pink was an accident, trying to go red. It's a long story. <laughs> For real, happened. My mom was very happy when that happened. She's like, I told you not to dye your hair red. Now you got a pink scalp. Um, and it was, it was great. You think about how much you've changed from then to now, and you're in the process of maturing in the process of these different things, hopefully the process of maturing, right? God does not need to do that. I will be who I will be. It means that I am who I am. I have no reason to change. I'm perfect in my ways. I will be who I will be. What an answer. And also, this given this verbal form which comes out to I am, it's actually this divine name, which is Yahweh. It's a name that the Hebrews wouldn't even say most of the time. In fact, what they would say when it came to that, when even when they were reading the Bible, they would say the Lord. That's why we have, when, when the New Testament church says Jesus is Lord, they're saying, they're saying Jesus is Yahweh. I am who I am. It's providing clarity in the midst of a people worshiping all sorts of things. He's saying, I'm the one true God. I'm the one who will be. I won't change. I'm the creator and sustainer of all things. That is who I am. So if you're afraid to go in front of the people of Israel and the people of, of in, in front of Pharaoh, don't worry. I am. And then he goes on, and he says down, he says in verse 13, verse 14, he says, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said this to the people of Israel 
I am has sent me to you. Verse 15, God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, which actually could be translated, and in some of the translation is translated this, Yahweh, or I am. It says, the Lord, I am, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, he has sent me to you. And so not only does, when, Mo, when God tells Moses I, that gives him the name I am, he's giving clarity that he's the only God, and there's some doctrinal principles there, but also he's giving a familiarity. Familiarity. Have you ever been in that situation? I do this all the time, and I hate that I do this. And some of you right now are going to think about this. I will, when I meet somebody for the first time, I will remember their face. I'll remember a bunch of information about their life if they're telling it to me, you know. I'm not stalking you, okay. I'm not looking you up on Facebook. But if you tell it to me, I'll, I'll most of the time remember. Remember the face, remember that. But there is one thing that I will forget. Name. Okay. <laughs> if you feel like you know somebody really well and they don't know your name, please be gracious to me. Don't quiz me after this. Okay, well, I wonder if he knows my name. Okay, please don't do that. All right, I love you, and I'll learn your name. Just don't put me on the spot. Be gracious to me and kind. Okay, free. All right, back. The name, giving a name is a something of familiarity. It is something of knowledge of someone to know that name. Not only that, in the Bible, knowing a name meant to know the character of that person. And so when we hear that, that God gives a particular name, it's not just to show who he is by saying, I am who I am. It's to show the people that I am a God that is knowable, a God you can count on, and the God you've seen my character. That's why he mentions all of the fathers that God has intervened with and worked with and all the promises he's made. Who, who are the people? You go back and look at the book of Genesis and you can see the fathers and how God has intervened in these people's lives. What does he say in verse 15? I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham. Remember he called Abraham out of his paganism in the Ur of Chaldees. He called him out of there. And it goes on and he says, I am the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, and he has sent me to you. So there is a familiarity. Here's his character. He has worked this way with people in the past. He is going to be there and keep his promises to people in the future, and he has a name. So when we call on God, we can't call on the God of our own understanding. That has never been God's way. And if you want to follow God, he is saying, I am this. I am a particular God. I am Yahweh. I am that I am. You can't worship somebody else. I am the only one to be worshipped. And not only that, the one that is to be worshipped, the God of the universe, he'll give you a name so you can know him. And he'll show you his character so you can be confident that you can trust him. I kind of work under this assumption. I go ahead, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. What happens when they cross you, though, right? Well, I've seen your character. I don't know if I'm going to go there again trusting you, right? Right? And God said, I am who I am. I'm the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. See how I've 
treated them in the past. See how I kept my promises in the past. See how I'm going to keep my promises in the future. I see you, and I will be there with you. That is the difference here, that God, God is different than these other gods. He is a covenant-keeping God. He's the powerful God. He is the one true God. And so there's clarity, and there's familiarity, and then there is a true knowledge of celebrity, Okay? Now, we use celebrity in a bad way, but I want you to know this, that there is the most famous being in the universe is the Lord, the Lord God. And he says this in verse 15. Let's read it again. And God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. Remember, I am Yahweh. I am is my name forever. Then he goes on to say, and thus I will be remembered throughout all generations. God is going to make his name known. The I am is going to make his name known throughout all of the world. And it will be remembered everywhere. Now, why are you bringing that up? Why, when we're talking about, and obviously we just had this promo video, and you're going to talk about the I am statements here. Why did you go take us back to Exodus? And some, to some it will be very clear, and some it will not be. I want you to know this. When we have Jesus come on the scene, the gospel writer John, which is one of the last gospel, gospels written, he is endeavoring by the inspiration of God's Spirit to show us that Jesus is equal with I am. And Jesus, in his very own words, he says, I am seven times in the New Testament. In fact, we see this in, in, in John 6, 35 through 48, Jesus says, I am the bread of life, okay? I am emphasized. Verse, or is the second occurrence is Jesus would say in John 8, he said, I am the light of the world. In John 10, Jesus says, I am the gate. In John, uh, in John 10, again, he says, I am the good shepherd. In John 11, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. In uh, chapter in the sixth in John fourteen he says I am the way the truth and the life and in John fifteen he says I am the true vine. And so if somebody comes to your house as Jehovah's Witness or somebody else and tries to argue one little minutia point that Jesus is not God, I want you to know something. Their little minutia point can't deal with the whole book, which Jesus is yelling, "I am, I am," and here is who I am is. That's a lie. If somebody heard that sentence outside of this context, they'd be like, that makes no sense. But when we understand it, when God revealing I am is Jesus, and Jesus is I am, and Jesus helps us understand who I am is, who God is. He is the one who is make, making the invisible God known to us by being the Son of God in the flesh. And when he says I am, people got amazingly angry. Do you know why? People aren't dumb. Especially the Israel, especially the, the people of his time, the Pharisees who were around Jesus. They knew the Old Testament. So when Jesus was saying stuff like, I am, and the Father has sent me, and God is my Father, they got it. They're not as slow as sometimes we are. They were like, I don't like it one bit, because you are claiming you carpenter from Nazareth to be God? 
You know, and if you want further proof that, that that's exactly what he was getting at, they crucified him because of it. They couldn't handle what he was saying. So when he is saying, I am, he is trying, when Jesus is telling us his name is I am, he's trying to do the very same thing that God was doing, God the Father was doing in Exodus 3. He's trying to provide us and people who would hear the message of Jesus with clarity, with familiarity, and the knowledge of celebrity. You don't believe me? Turn in your Bible, or it'll be on the screen to John chapter 1. I want you to see that there's clarity here. Remember, we talked about it. When, when God said, I am who I am, it means that he is self-existent, that he needs nobody else, that he was in there at the beginning, and he was a part of creation. What does John 1, 1 say? In the beginning... You remember that, Genesis 1? You've heard that? Even if you're not a Bible, if you don't know the Bible real well, most of us know the beginning. It's a great opening line. It's like it's better than in the, you know, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It's the best opening ever in the beginning, God, or God in the beginning, however you want to talk about it. And what does John, how does John open up this book? In the beginning was the Word, Jesus. And the Word was with God in the beginning, and the Word was God. So before anything was, Jesus was there. He wasn't created. He was one with God, equal in person, equal in substance. He is exactly God, just a second person come in the flesh. And that's what he's saying. When, 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 he, when God said, when he revealed I am to Moses, and Jesus does the same thing, he's given us clarity that Jesus is God. He is the self-existent God. Not only that, it goes on in John 1.1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And then verse 3 says, all things were made through him. And without him was not, was not anything made that was made. And so Jesus here is not only the self-existent like I am, but Jesus also is the one who is the creator and sustainer of all things. That is Jesus. Not only that, we know from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, that Jesus is also, just like I am, never changes. I will be who I will be. When we see Hebrews 13, 8, it says Jesus Christ is the same today, tomorrow, and forever. He is the direct imprint of God. He is God in the flesh. And I want you to know something. We need clarity in our lives that there is only one name to be worshipped. There is only one way to God. There, is, there are not multiple ways. He is the only way because he's the only God. He is self-existent. He has always been. God the Father and God the Son have always existed. I want you to know this as well. He never changes. He makes his promises and he keeps them. Jesus Christ is the same today, tomorrow, and forever. Just like I am. He, is all, he never changes. He is the creator. He is the only God. And so if you're coming in here with a less than clear picture of this, what I hope is that you come and you, you at least take, take seriously what Jesus says. And that you would see that if you're going to follow Jesus, he says he's the only game in town. There's no other ways. 
It's him because he is the one true God. Also, we see familiarity in the fact that this, if you go down into John 1, 14 through 18, it says this, the word who is in the beginning, it says this, the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son of the father, full of grace and truth. There's another uh, kind of translation of this that said the word became flesh or Jesus became flesh and he moved into our neighborhood or he set up a tent in our neighborhood. Do you realize that you know more about your neighbors than you think you do? You do. You might try not to know your neighbors. In fact, most of us try not to know anybody but those who we really want to know. You know how we do that most of the time? We bury our face in a device, and we don't look at anybody else, okay? I did it the other day. I was like, I, I, can, I can sense crazy, and crazy can sense me. And there are some days I'm like, I want to embrace crazy for the glory of Jesus, and I want to, I want to you know, see if I can be salt and light in this crazy. And other days, I was like, I don't want a part of this crazy, so I just watched Crazy go on at this restaurant. I was looking at my phone like, I'm eating by myself, too. I was like, okay, please don't talk to me. Please don't talk to me. I can't handle that today, okay? You've been there? You know more about your neighbors than you think you do. You know why? Because they live next to you, and you know a lot about them by the car that they drive and the way that car's kept. You know if they're a neat freak or not. Let's look what they do with the flower beds. You can know if they're busy. You can know if they have a lot of kids. You've ever been to a house with a lot of kids? Okay, I got one kid, and I got stuff everywhere. I don't know what it's like to have multiple kids, but I imagine it's like <laughs> multiple things. You've been by somebody's house, and there's like seven trillion toys in the yard, okay? And you're like, they got some kids. If not, they got some problems, okay? That's, that's what it is. You know more about them than you do because it they are in your neighborhood, and the Bible says the Word became flesh, and He dwelt among us. So just like God gave this name, and He showed His character in the past, in the Old Testament, by saying, I am, Jesus, His I am come in the flesh yet again. It's God coming to move into our neighborhood so that we could know Him. And then we see in verse 18 of John 1, Yet again, that no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side, but Jesus, he has made him known. So just like when I am, the name Yahweh was spoken to Moses, when the I am comes, the word Jesus, we can have not just clarity about who God is, but familiarity that we can know who God is because he came close to us. And he came close in such a way that he even took on flesh just like us to be our sympathetic high priest. He knows what it's like to be human, but yet without sin. He's come close. There's clarity, there's familiarity, and then there's knowledge of true celebrity. I purposely didn't talk about this uh, a lot because um, when we think of the word celebrity, especially now in our, in our reality TV culture or our YouTube culture, like my son, he doesn't watch TV. You know what he wants to watch more than TV? YouTube. It's like, a, it's like eventually I think cable television and satellites are going to go away and everything is going to be like 12-minute long YouTube clips, okay? And our attention spans will get, most of you teachers, if you're a teacher, you got kids, like your attention span is like, oh, that, that took more than five minutes, I can't watch it. Now, YouTube videos going down, and, and you, think about, when you think about YouTube, you think about people can be celebrities for the dumbest things. I mean, really, just like K-1 
cats have become celebrities. Some of you are thinking about that cat video, you know, the little kitten, and the guy touches it and he goes, ah, okay. Cat playing a piano. Cats are becoming famous on YouTube. Some of the, there are families that are becoming famous and bankrolling their entire lifestyle by just opening toys on television, playing games on YouTube, and uploading them. And they have subscribers, and then people will sponsor them. And people are becoming famous for many different things. All I have to do is say the word Kardashian, and your eyes will roll back in your head. What are they famous for? Nothing. It'll do anything. But they're famous. Celebrities. And we live... In, in a culture or in an area where there's actual celebrities around us. People could actually do things. See, you might see a country music singer anywhere you go in the surrounding areas around here. You might see a famous football player downtown Nashville. You might you go to training camp. You've seen celebrities all over the place. Even minor celebrities, sometimes people freak out about. My wife, there is a band called the Newsboys. Many of you may not have heard of them, okay? Some of you have, some of you have. It's a Christian music band. Their lead singer used to be the lead singer of another Christian band called DC Talk. Now, if you're not, if you didn't grow up a Christian or, or weren't in youth group, this won't mean much to you. And I want you to show you this on purpose because sometimes we get enamored by celebrity that's really not that big that most people don't even know about. But one of the DC Talk members is now the lead singer of Newsboys. My wife grew up in the area where DC Talk and Jesus Freak, the song, were huge. That was the era. She'll love me telling this story, by the way. We were at the, we were at the airport picking up my dad, and the Newsboys were there. And I want to play it kind of cool, okay? Because, I mean, these are just guys. They look tired. They're getting their stuff off the baggage carousel. I wanted to be cool with it, but my wife saw she goes, oh my gosh, man. <gasps> There's the news boys. And it's Michael Day from Teasing Talk. <gasps> and I'm like, shut up, Amy. Like, it's kind of unwritten rule. You don't freak out around celebrities around here because it could be everywhere, right? You want to like let them be at home here in Nashville. Don't don't mess with them, okay? My wife was like, I can't, I just it's my high school coming back. So she grabs Judson's hand. Judson has no clue who these people are. We're waiting at the baggage. They're at the same baggage carousel because they were on the same flight as my dad. So Amy yanks Judson along. He's like, he's cute. They'll talk to me. And so she gets like uncomfortably close to the, the newsboys. And she's like, hi. <laughs> like she's like just making noises. And, ha! She won't say hey, but she started humming under her breath. What will people think when they hear that I'm a Jesus freak? And I'm like, Amy, you have to stop. And at this point, they have noticed that this is going down, and they are scooting farther away from her. I am back here going, please, Lord Jesus, don't let, don't let her actually talk to them, okay? And so she just gets closer and closer, and they're waiting for the bags, and they're getting like, you know, the, the opening for the bags, they're there at this point, like, come on, come on. The lead singer grabs his bag, as soon as it comes out, see you guys, and all the newsboys guys are all stressed. Like, see you, mate. Okay, and they, they, she takes off, and or he takes off, and as he takes off, Amy decides to do one of these numbers. 
as he's walking by. And she's like, To most people in the world, they're not even famous. Some Christian rock band. But it's a celebrity. It's going to change my life. I met this person. Take a picture. Let's take a selfie on Instagram and people think I'm great. What did God say about it? What did I am say? My name will be remembered throughout all generations and be known. Throughout all generations. Lester Band was really great. It's forgotten. One hit wonders. All the celebrities, they come and go. You think about who was famous in the 60s and 70s and think if they're famous today, most of them aren't. And in another 20 years, none of those people will be famous at all either. This true celebrity, the truest one, the most important one, the one if you met would change your life, is the great I am. The one whose name should be known across all generations is I am. And I am has given us definitive revelation of who he is in I am Jesus Christ. He is the one whose fame should go on forever. He is the one who is the Holy One of God. He is the one who, if you know Him and you meet Him, will change your life. He is God in the flesh. He is God risen. He is God returning. He is Jesus. And when, when He says, when Jesus said, I am, He's saying, I and the Father are one. I want to give you clarity that there is no other way but me. I want to give you familiarity to let you know that if you know me, you know the Father, and you can actually know God and be transformed. And I want you to know this. Knowing me is knowing true celebrity, the one who is the most famous, one who is the most high and lifted up, the one who is the best, the one who could change your life like no other. And that is who Jesus is. And I wish I could point to you. And I, I, words escape. And I want to impress upon us all that he is Jesus the best the highest, the one to be lifted on high, the one to be praised, the only one through whom salvation comes. And when he says, I am, he exposes to us who God is, and he shows us God's heart, not for us, but also for his own glory. And so you were created not for yourself, but for I am. You were created to know God and to glorify him and to make his name known. How is God's name remembered forever? Because God the Father sent God the Son. I am sent. I am. That we might have life in Him. There is none better. None more famous. None more glorious than I am. And He comes to us with hands outstretched to receive us, that we can know him and his power. So here's what we're going to do. In every one of these, the next seven weeks, we're going to unpack the I am statements of Jesus and hope to get a greater clarity, greater familiarity of the greatness of the celebrity of God. And as we do that, 
we're going to end every time with communion, which is a symbol of what Christ has done. That God became flesh so that he could live a perfect life, die on a cross, so all who believe in him could have everlasting life. That he is risen and he is returning. And we're going to go in this truth. Hear these words about Jesus. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who's at the Father's side, but Jesus has made him known. Go in that grace, knowing that Jesus has made God known.